there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Sitting across the table from me right now is Greg Smith. And joining us this week is a very special guest. We've never had him on a podcast before. Very, very excited to have him here. 2020 offensive lineman from Lawrence, Kansas. He's a four-star right now. He's really, really close to being a five-star in all those recruiting rankings. It's Turner Corcoran joining us on the line. Turner, how are you, man? Good. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. Derek, it sounded like you wanted to make a funny remark about my Lakers shirt. I don't know if... No, 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 no. We're fine. We're not going to do any Lakers hate. I don't know. Turner, do you have an NBA team? Uh, you know, I'm a really big LeBron fan, you know, just watching him with the heat, you know, he was just a freak of nature. Uh, you know, him, Wade and Bosch were a great trio. Uh, he went back to Cleveland, he won a championship. Um, you know, I try and follow all the, uh, old KU basketball players around. So Andrew Wiggins, you know, guys like that, Joel Embiid. Uh, okay. but no, not really a big NBA guy for the most part, but. Okay. Well, we'll save the Lakers slander then for another podcast. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm used to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Turner, I'm excited to have you on. The first thing that I want to talk to you about is something that it seems like all of the kids are loving. Nebraska has a, an alternate uniform for the 2019 season. Everybody's been asking um, yep. about it basically all offseason long. Nebraska announced it this week. It's a black yep. shirt-inspired alternate. It's just a black jersey. There's a white. looks like matte helmet with a black stripe and a black end. It's got the black shirt logo on the sleeves for the first time ever. What were your initial impressions when you saw the alternate? Um, you know, I was actually with Coach Stroh at Free State when I when I saw the video. Um, you know, I go, dude, look at this. And you go, no way. Like, you know, it's kind of one of those reactions. And, you know, we were just in awe of, you know, the the program that, that went into it and everything like that. So, you know, they had the – the skull on the side, they had the red, or excuse me, the black end with the black stripe down the middle. You know, it was, it was a really uh, sick video. You know, I really like the new concept that they have going on around with the black shirts, and I think it's it's really gonna it's really gonna be a big hit. I think so. You know, so you mentioned kind of the video that they put out around that. Is that something when they because they kind of changed that style of kind of how they've done that, and since you've been kind of around Nebraska recruiting haven't been recruited by them for a long time now do you notice changes like that when they do stuff like that yeah um you know back when they first started recruiting me uh back when I was a sophomore you know the edits weren't as like you know impressive but now they've they've really come a long way you know from my all the way from my commitment edit to this last video edit uh of the uniform reveal it's it's really been you know staggering with how uh, how much better that that video production and that editing team is done, and you know, for sake like that, it's it's really something impressive and something cool. There was not a like usually when they when they release these new alternates over the last couple of years, they've had like a date that they that they're going to be worn. They're going to be worn for this game or this game or this game. Like the right. Wisconsin ones two years ago were 
or against Wisconsin. Yeah. The ones last year were yeah. they were announced for Illinois. There was not a date announced with this this right. newest alternate, which leads me to believe that they are going to be worn multiple times. So, Turner, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to make an educated guess as to which games these things you know, are going to be worn. You know, like you said, they, they kind of put out a date that they'd wear them. But, you know, honestly, I feel like it'd be that Ohio State game. Um, you know, it's really highly anticipated. You know, both teams are uh, looking to go maybe 4-0, 5-0 going into that game, whatever the records are going to be. You know, it could be a college game day experience. Um, so, it's going to be a really – highly anticipated game so you know you might want to throw in the black uniforms in there just to spice things up a little bit give you guys a little bit more hype you know going into that game you know bring the energy bring the juice as coach stewart says it here at free state uh you know bring the juice uh you know so i'm excited i'm excited especially if it's going to be that ohio state game so it'll be something special Okay, now, speaking of that weekend, it is a, a big official visit weekend. I think my count right this second, I think it's seven or eight guys I've confirmed. Do you have a yeah. date for your official visit yet? Yeah, that's the one we're, we're focused on and aiming down towards is that uh, that Ohio State game. You know, that'll be what we're aiming for for my official. You know, it, just, it, it lines up really well because I have a Thursday night game that day, or excuse me, that week. And so, you know, we'd be able to drive up. Friday night, um, Friday Friday afternoon, basically after school, I'd be able to drive up to, to Lincoln and you know get the get the full experience. You know, I wouldn't have a game that night to get in the way of things, but you know I'm excited for it. How long a drive is that from Lawrence to Lincoln? Say what? How long a drive is that from Lawrence to Lincoln? Uh, it's about three hours. You know, two forty-five. Well, that's not bad. Throw. You know, he makes it down quick. <laughs> put your coach on blast a little bit right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll put got him on a lead foot. That's all right. He's a good dude. Yes. Um. Okay. So, so you're gonna be here, or hopefully be here for that Ohio State weekend. It seems like a lot of other guys will try to be here for that Ohio State weekend. One of the things that's that's sort of um, been a topic of interest, or an increasing topic of interest over the last couple of years, is guys that are committed to Nebraska going and recruiting other guys or young guys. That are, that are just fresh out of the recruiting process, going and recruiting young guys. From your perspective, how is your class in terms of peer recruiting? Who, who's kind of taken the lead um, in that regard, and, and do you consider yourself a good peer recruiter? Yeah. You know, I say we're all doing our best we can to, you know, pull in the right guys for the program. Um, you know, you obviously want insane athletic ability with athletes, but then you also want that right fit. You know, the guys that love to work out, love to be team players. So, you know, I've, I've done my part. You know, I've, I've worked my butt off. I've helped get Blaze, Nash, um, a few other guys. Uh, you know, I'm working on Marvin Scott, a little bit with Sevion Morrison. Uh, you know, those guys are, are, are uh, big names. You know, Coach Held's always on me about them because, you know, we, we need another running back for this class and we might need another two. So he's like, you know, if we can get both of those guys, we're going to be in really good shape for uh, this 2020 class. Um, you know, I know Blaze is working his tail off because, you know, me and him have started a competition to see who can get the most commits um, as a peer recruiter. So we're, we're, we're battling back and forth a little bit. 
So when you so when it's a guy, and I'm glad you brought up running backs because when it's a guy that plays running back, or I guess even when, maybe when you talk to Logan as well about things, like do you ever slide in there that hey, like I could be the one blocking for you? Do you ever sell it that way, or do you try to play it humble? Um, you know, I haven't really said that. You know, I should probably start saying that. But <laughs> I mean, um, you're pretty good at run blocking. <laughs> Just go ahead and throw it out there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I should definitely start using that. You know, most of the time I'm usually throwing out the pitch of, you know, this is the place to be, you know, this program's on the up. Um, you know, the coaches have a genuine care for their players. You know, they're great people. It's a great town. Um, you know, just just things like that. And, you know, I'm, normally it works most of the time, but I feel like I might be able to pull three or four more recruits in to get ahead of Blaze if I start using that, you know, I'm going to be blocking for you type. type. There you so, go. So. See, I want credit for that. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll get you on that. <laughs> not not to say that like when a coach is selling something, it, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. But like from your perspective as a guy who went through the recruiting process, if you have another player on the team, or you have a, a guy who is already committed to the university, and they're telling you kind of the same things that a coach is telling you, does it is it received a little bit differently because it's from a player, and you feel like do you feel like that it's a little bit more honest like is it is it viewed differently coming from a player than it is coming from a coach in the recruiting process i mean you know when you when you hear it from a player and you know they're not bsing you it's a little bit more reassuring when you know you start narrowing things down and being like okay you know this guy at this university let's say let's give Forniak for an example you know i was hanging out with him last uh june at that barbecue slash uh, Friday Night Lights camp. And, you know, he was, he was a really genuine, great guy. And, you know, just talking with him throughout the whole process, you know, whenever I'd go up for a game, you know, I'd always see him. He'd always, you know, give me a handshake, say what's up, you know, small talk a little bit before or after the game. But uh, he, he, he had a lot of genuine respect for me and for that program, and he, he sold me well on Nebraska. And I think that's uh, another thing with what helped, lead me to my decision was the uh, players, you know, talking with him, uh, Garrett Nelson, Bryce Benhart, you know, those, those were all guys that really, you know, genuinely cared for me and ultimately helped me make my decision. You know, one of the things, too, that comes up, and I've, said, I've talked to you about it, that um, helped along with your recruiting process with that relationship with Greg Austin. Um, and he's one of those guys that it seems like his players really enjoy playing for um, at this point. So how, how has your relationship continued to develop with Coach Austin? You know, it develops great, man. Uh, we talk once a week. Uh, we have a set day on Tuesdays that we – we normally talk, we chit-chat, you know, small talk. It's about 10, 15, 20-minute conversation. You know, I normally ask how practice is, is going, and he asks me how workouts are going and stuff like that. Um, you know, he's a, he's a great dude. You know, he, he has a lot of genuine love for his players, and, you know, I'm really excited to get up there in January and to be a part of that, that O-line group. You mentioned Bryce Benhart a second ago. I want to kind of transition to what you view – your time at Nebraska is going to look like when you see a guy like Bryce Benhart, who's already here, who's in Duvall's weight program, kind of getting ready for his career. Does that get you excited thinking about, you know, maybe two or three years down the line where you're on one side and Bryce Benhart is on the other side? Does that get you excited about what you guys could potentially do as an offense? Absolutely. Um, You know, just seeing him grow as an individual, you know, not necessarily 
since he didn't uh, graduate early, you know, that was his decision. You know, he won a state championship in wrestling. You know, I'm 100% for that. If he's able to do that, then go do it. But, you know, he, he's made strides in the uh, in the summer in that weight room from talking with Coach Coach Held, Coach Austin, and Coach Frost. Uh, he's, he's done a really good job. I've heard really great things about him. You know, he's learning the offense really well. Uh, he's got great footwork, stuff like that, and he's just a really big dominant dude. And I can't wait to get up there and be around him and then also be on that other side potentially, you know, play right guard or left guard or left tackle, whatever it is, wherever they need me, I'm going to put so uh, over the course of this summer, as you kind of get ready for your senior season, what have been the things that you've been working on uh, to continue to improve in your game? Yeah, um, definitely just keeping my body healthy. Because last year I, I went through a few knee injuries, uh, nothing nothing crazy, just a few sprains. But, you know, just keeping myself healthy overall, being able to move with the weight I'm at right now, move well with it. Uh, you know, polish up my pass game a little bit because it's been pretty choppy in the last few years. You know, I thought I've done well with that. And then also just, you know, being more dominant um, on the offensive line and then also being a, a leader on for the whole team, not only the offensive line, but the whole team to uh, take ownership and the guys that miss and make sure that they keep showing up and, you know, being meetings, uh, taking care of my body, uh, like icing and stuff like that. It all, it all matters. Uh, keep yourself ready and keep yourself uh, – to go for games and stuff like that is that one of the things that greg austin is stressing to you is just hey get your body right stay healthy yeah yeah um you know obviously when i get up to college i'm not gonna have to like stress about it too much because you know i I have specific people for that i mean i only have one trainer at free state and she does a great job um don't get me wrong with that but you know it's a little bit harder in high school to keep yourself right because you know you don't have people there nagging you about it all the time uh where in college you know you always have someone breathing down your neck i guess you could say but as in a good way to keep yourself safe and healthy actually that re- that reminded me of something i don't know if i've ever asked you this before when you first did um like saw the zach duvall presentation or first yeah. met like first met him what went through your mind when you first saw all of that um you know i was super impressed um, you know, I've seen that presentation about three or four times, but each time, you know, I learned something new. Um, you know, what's the thing that impresses me the most is watching that uh, D end out of Buffalo. Um, is it Quill uh, Mack? Mack? Yeah, no, he just watching his transformation from freshman year to sophomore year to junior and senior is just awesome. And you know, what he says is that what really impresses him the most is his uh, smile because. From year one, he doesn't have much of a smile. To year four, he is grinning from ear to ear. And you could just tell from his body body language and his just overall figure, he's just an absolute animal. And, you know, I can't wait to get started up there with that weight program because I know it's it, it's going to help tremendously just watching guys like Garrett Nelson and how, how much his body has changed from December all the way up to the spring game and then into the summer. Garrett Nelson is a wild man. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. He, he is a wild man. Heard. How, where do you stand? What what side of the aisle do you stand on when it comes to his mullet? Do you think he needs to cut it or keep growing it? Dude, grow it out. You know, I love it. Um, you know, it's it's awesome. I think it reminds me a lot of uh, Brian Bosworth. You know, I kind of thought about growing a mullet for a bit, but I'm like, ah, I'm a lineman. I don't really do much. I don't really need the attention, so I'm good. No, grow it. You you got to have the hair to compete with like the Farniox. <laughs> the Farniox, yeah, I do. I do have to compete with that. <laughs> 
Listen, man, don't listen to this dude. Like, <laughs> do not do that, man. I don't, I don't want them razzing you when you get here. Man. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, Turner, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you got stuff to do. But no, you're good. College football, college football starts in like two weeks. Like, what's, What non-Nebraska game are you most excited to watch? Man, you know, most excited to watch is definitely going to be that Ohio State game just because, you know, how good Ohio State has been over the last couple of years and, you know, how good they are right now and, you know, how much hype is surrounded by around by Nebraska. And I'm really excited to see those guys prove their worth and, you know, show up on a on a Saturday night and, you know, play their hearts out. So I'm, I'm excited to see that game, no doubt. And then also the home opener, you know, just to – the home opener is always a different experience because, you know, I remember going to last year's home opener and I had chills and goosebumps all over my body just from watching them run out of the tunnel. That's one of my, like, I, I want to say biggest regrets, but it's not really a regret. Like, I feel like we were robbed of a truly special night with yeah. that game getting yeah. canceled because I'm right there with you. Like, I, I have never been, I've never felt the way that I felt when, Frost ran out of the tunnel with the team that first time against Akron, and then to have that game kind of yeah. cut. Like, I, we were in for a special night, and we were robbed of yeah. it, and it sucks. So, I'm excited to have football back. Turner, when, when is your first game of the season? Um, September 6th at home. Okay. All right. Well, best of luck, man, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Sounds good, of course. Okay, we got one more guy to get to, and I didn't mention him in the open. I should have. It's Oliver Conley. You can find his work at The Guardian. You can find his football work at the Reed Optional. He had a film piece back when Frost took the Nebraska job in December of 2017 that is basically required reading for Nebraska fans at this point. Ali, before we started podcasting, I was trying to get some transcribing done, and then I found... A uh, piece that you recently did that was basically ranking all the Syria kits and dropped about thirty minutes into that. And now I want a Lazio away kit. How are you? I'm good. That's the beautiful one. That's the one that I say you should go and get because Inter Milan is the big one this year. Yeah. The Inter Milan kit sold out everywhere. You want to get the Lazio one, which is like as I wrote in that piece, the cool band where you just want to hold on to them for yourselves. And when they go mainstream, you want to let everyone know that you saw them at the local club before everyone else. That's what the Lazio kit is. It's very clean. I don't like I don't like the trend that we're getting where there's just sponsor patches plastered all over the front of of kits. Like the like the Napoli one where they don't mm-hmm. mesh with the overall tone of the kit. And so when you get one like Lazio's where it's just very clean, there's a little Target logo on it, it's great. Everything's too fussy now. And I think in Italian football in particular they don't make any money, those clubs. They have to sell everything. So they're selling, it's like NASCAR. They're selling so many sponsorships to one kit. Yeah. Yep. Let's talk about Nebraska a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned uh, in, in the intro, you had that, that film piece where you did a, a really deep dive into Frost's offense and kind of all the things that make it tick. Um, I will link to that on our website for anybody that wants to go read it that hasn't read it. I recommend that you do. The first question that I want to ask you, Ali, it's, it's a really simple one. Why does this offense work? I think what makes uh, Frost different than all the other guys who are running kind of essentially this same thing, right, which is pace and space, athletes in space, basketball on grass, all kind of the, the buzzwords you hear about this stuff. And the two probably or three biggest guys and proponents of this would be 
Chip Kelly, Gus Malzahn, Art Browns, right? Those are kind of the, the godfathers of this thing that he's doing. What makes his so different is, A, the rhythm of the passing game being pure, ripped-off Bill Walsh West Coast offense. Um, Chip's had a lot of that, too, but it wasn't quite as mirrored as Frosty's, which just makes it a lot easier on quarterbacks in this day and age. And then his week-to-week tweaks. A lot of what those guys do is we have these 20 staples of plays. We'll do three different options off of those. We basically then have 60 plays based on, you know, 40 of them are based on reading what the defense does, and then we, we work off that. What Frost does is he'll say, okay, they, they have this very specific weakness this week. Let's use our overall philosophy of pace and space and install this one thing that can attack this one weakness this week. And that is just very different to the idea of, you know, strip down the playbook, strip down the playbook. Frost thing is more, let's build an overall culture and philosophy. And then as and when we need to tweak it, let's trust in our players that we can tweak it week to week. What's an example of one of those tweaks? Because you, you kind of went into you know, some of the deviations that Frost has had from like Chip Kelly's stuff. What's an example mm-hmm. of one of those, maybe maybe a, a Chip philosophy that he tweaked for himself or one of those week-to-week things that you talked about? Because he's really good about self-scouting and kind of yeah. um, changing things up week-to-week. The big stuff is, well, in terms of more play styles, I, I detail in that piece um, about how he likes to pin and pull his guards more so than the center and they're just very simple things you can do and run kind of the Auburn book sweep style that they brought in with Cam Newton way back in the day and became they became kind of infamous for that. A very simple idea of it is you, if you're just running wide zones, so an outside you know zone run, and you're trying to read the backside guy, if that front side linebacker is just a really good read and react guy every week, you don't really want to be giving him the chance to read it as your running back presses it and the running back's doing his own reads, his bend, bang, bounce, read. You want to get him as quick as possible. The quickest way to do that would just be to crack him, just to bring someone in motion and crack him as quick as possible or slip him or do something very quick to, to just deviate his path to your running back because you know he's really good at reading reacting. And whereas Chip Kelly would just say, you know what, screw it. This is what we do. If we go fast enough, we'll tire him out. Frost would bring someone in motion. He would slip him. He would put a dual tight end package in there. He would do something different to try and affect the guy he thinks can most impact his core principle, which is the outside zone run. The The straw that stirs the drink with this offense is Adrian Martinez. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the quarterback, um, to be a little bit broader. Adrian is the guy after his freshman season. Everybody's really, really high on him. He's got, I think, like the fourth best Heisman odds in the country. He has the dual threat ability that that really kind of unlocks this offense's potential. It, when you look at kind of the the things that this system asks and requires of a quarterback, and, and from a fit standpoint, when you look at the three quarterbacks now that Frost has really had for this system, Marcus Mariota at Oregon, who won a Heisman, so it's probably not a great thing to be comparing a guy coming off one year to a Heisman Trophy winner, but whatever. Uh, Mackenzie Milton at Central Florida and then Adrian now. How would you rank Adrian amongst the three guys that he's had in terms of his ability to fit into this system and be sort of that integral piece? It's tough because two of those guys I've seen do it. Like you said, one won a Heisman. Really easy to put him at the top of the list. Um I think he has the physical gifts that those two other guys don't necessarily have in terms of throwing the ball down the field. My big question is, and it was a massive, massive difference. You know, when I go through the season, most of my work is around around the NFL draft. So I get a whole swath of the tape at the end of the year. You know, the, the old 22 coaches film. Coaches love to give you that stuff at the end of the year. They guard it like state secrets for most of the year. 
But once the season's finished today, please take it all from our players, from our program. I don't want to lose my job. That's basically how this thing goes. Um, so when you re-watch him from the All-22 tape, you come away with a very different impression if you just watch the TV copy or you're going through it week to week because the numbers are very, very impressive. That's probably why he's, what you said, fourth in the Heisman odds. But when you watch the All-22, the, the process behind the numbers is far less encouraging than the actual numbers themselves. And I think that's fine to win games at the college level. That's perfectly okay. Like you said, Mackenzie Milton, similar thing. Process was sometimes up and down. He has some very distinctive flaws that I think they have to hide, and that is fine for most of the season, probably 75 80% of the season. It's when you get against the really good DC. It's when you get against a Don Brown, and he can start trapping you, and he can start doing things that lull you into making mistakes. That's a problem. I think overall, in terms of gifts, right up there. I mean, what does what can he do? The what did Marcus Mario to do that he cannot do? Basically, um, it's just pure decision making, and it's very specific decision making, which we could go into if you wanted to. Um, that I think is a real impediment against the best of the best. Sure, let's let's talk about decision making. What did you see? Was it uh, was it in the passing game, or was it him? In the, the the read and react game, or was it was it the fumbles? What what was it in the decision making? It's more so it's late rotations within a snap. So in most defenses now they run a pattern match coverage, which at this point I think most people kind of have a vague understanding of. It's talked about so much. It's like in basketball you play a hybrid defense. You're playing zone. Whatever man comes into your zone, you just start playing man. You take your eyes off the quarterback. You start playing man coverage. What a lot of teams do is they want to try and have a bit of both because everyone runs the ball so much now. They basically build in their own defensive option with a rotating safety as the offense has an offensive option you know, to throw or pass. Um, so they will bring that safety down towards line of scrimmage really late as you're going into your snap count, whether it's the clap or whatever your cue is. He will start to move towards the line of scrimmage. He will read the play. And depending on usually a tight end, depending on what he does, he'll be the play run or pass. Those late rotations really allow a DC to start bluffing stuff. So once you get used to, oh, every time that guy comes down, he's going to play the run, you can then bluff off of that as a DC, right? Because suddenly the quarterback's reading run every time based on that safety. And so what you can start doing is, somewhat, Don Brown's the best example of this because it's the most obvious, which you can even see on, um, on TV copy if people can want to go on YouTube, is they'll apex their corner, making him look like he's playing in three deep, and then out of nowhere he peels off, and it looks like... You see Richard Sherman do this a lot in the NFL, like he jumped the route and he had some innate gift for jumping the route, but really he, that was the plan all along. And Martinez has a big issue with just these late rotations and trying to figure out where the bluff in disguise comes from. If it's early in the snap, cool, but if it comes late and it's a late thing, he has real difficulty picking up most of the trap stuff, which, like I said, you can get away with for the most part because guys are often wide open in the system. It's when you get in those close games, you've got to make tight throws, you've got to be pretty perfect on decisions that he's going to have some issues. Is that just youth? Like, do you see do you see the potential for the same kind of um, offensive leap that UCF made year over year from one to two with Frost? Do you see the same kind of potential here? Because when when everybody makes that comparison between, well, this is what UCF did in year two under Frost, this is what Nebraska could do in, in year two under Frost, a lot of it is centered around what Martinez can do. So was that... Was some of the decision-making stuff that you see, was that just him being young and not playing college football? Do you, do you expect that to get a little bit better after he had an entire season under his belt? Or kind of, I guess, is there any concern there? I think like any player, the, it's really hard to tell at this age, right? Like, does he get more reps and he sees it more and he, he improves or does he just never get it? There's umpteen examples of it going both ways. 
Um, I am willing to bet on Frost that he can help figure it out or maybe scheme some ways out of that where they change the ID point being linebacker crash, linebacker doesn't crash, give go. We move it into a third level read where let's start reading safeties on these drives because we've got to tell that they're going to start bluffing or doing whatever they're going to do with their rotations. You can build in some new things to try and help them out. And I would be more on the side of trusting Frost to do that schematically than it would as him as a player to, to read it better because it's just it's an awful lot of information for him to download in a very short space of time within this system um, at such a young age. Yeah. What about the rest of the the non-Adrian component of the offense? Do you think Nebraska has the pieces and the talent around Adrian to, to really be a team that sort of lives up to pretty lofty preseason expectations? I don't know as much about the, the individual talent as probably people listening to this do. I know they got Noah right from, from Cal, who looks like an explosive Phenom. Yeah. Um, yep. The new commitment, Robinson, I've seen can play everywhere across the formation. And this is what Frost did so brilliantly at UCF is I'm in this amazing state of talent, just put athletes in space. That's the whole principle of this offense and of most of modern college football. If I put athletes in space, why can my 4-3 athlete not beat their 4-3 athlete six out of ten times? If he does, we win games. So it's that's it. I'm going to trust the recruiting rankings that say they had a 20th overall recruiting class or whatever. And knowing what Frost is about, he's going to have enough athletes where if they win six out of ten, like I said, they should win football games. Okay. Who do you think is the uh, the class of the Big Ten this year? Um, I'm still going to go with Ohio State. Um, I am fascinated to see what it looks like more with the, the off-the-field stuff and how does changing a culture, does that take time? Does it just take a big catalyst, which would probably be day coming in? Um, the Michigan thing, I, I feel silly to fall for it every year, but it's right there in front of your face, and it feels like they've decided to join the 21st century, which can only help them. Um, so for me, those two would be still just ahead of everyone, but then I wouldn't see why Nebraska wouldn't or couldn't lead that top tier. I really have them down now. I have them as an 8-9 win team. That's my kind of right in the stroke, and I think it's what, can you win a, you know the, the field goal games against Indiana or whatever? I think that's, that's kind of how I have it divvied up right now. The Ohio State-Michigan question to me has been funny all offseason long. I was I was sort of curious how the coaches' poll was going to come out in the preseason uh, coaches' poll, how those those two were going to be ranked. I kind of thought that Michigan was going to be ahead of Ohio State just because of how much people are talking about Michigan and, like you said, adding Josh Gatiss as the offensive coordinator. And I, I still, like, like, I'm with you. I picked them. I thought they were one of the best teams in college football last year. And then – you know, we saw what happened to them against Ohio State. And it's just like, yeah, Urban Meyer is not at Ohio State anymore, but I think there's a mental block with them in Ohio State that I just have to see see them get over that before I can really be like, yeah, Michigan is going to take down Ohio State. And Ohio State still has a ton of talent. So um, it's always interesting to hear, you know, who falls on which side of that coin. I know Ryan Day really well and have done for a long time. And his whole mantra of coaching has been forever, which, by the way, I love when they get the head job and they become very, like, it's like they take a PR class, they stop being themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. So if you just said the stuff to the fans you said to me over a bit, they would go they would go crazy for you. They'd love you. His thing is don't bleep with talent. That's his whole ethos. So it, they have more talent than what, two teams in the country? So if he ain't gonna mess with it, I'm sure they'll be fine. It would be long term with them, obviously, can they can he keep bringing talent to, to the school, which you would think with that school he could do. Yeah, yeah, you would think. I don't I don't know that uh Urban Meyer was the only reason that Ohio, the Ohio State University, was getting good, good talent. All right, Ali, that's all. That's all the questions I had for you, man. I appreciate you giving oh, us some perfect. time and coming on the podcast. 
absolutely. Hey, where can people where can people find your work? Uh, the best thing to do right now would be just to go on Twitter, I guess, and follow me by my name uh, at Ollie Connolly. It's double L I E and then double L double N double L. I'm sure we can link it somewhere and uh, make it more accessible for people. Uh, I am in one of those wonderful states of media now where you write for five million different places and people just have to find you through that one that one feed. Yeah, just follow your Twitter account. That's mm-hmm. what it sounds like. All right, man. Thanks so much for for giving us some time. We'll catch up soon. Thank you. Shouts to Turner. Shouts to Ali. I now feel like I don't know anything about football, um, so I guess I will just have to read more of Ali's work. Uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. It's a game week podcast. It feels really good to say. We've made it back. Nebraska football is back. We'll be talking to somebody who covers South Alabama. Uh, we'll have coverage all throughout the week. There's a Nebraska press conference Monday morning. Scott Frost, John Cook. Volleyball is coming back, too. Jacob Padilla is going to have coverage on that as well. Um, soccer just kicked off their season this past Thursday so things are back and uh, we will have all the coverage on hailvarsity.com the best website in the world and keep reading and keep listening thanks guys